This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long.
Anytime our heart turns from darkness to light, anytime temptation comes and someone stands to fight, anytime somebody lives to serve and not be served, I know, I know, I know, I know.
Good morning, everybody. You guys can stand as we sing this morning.
They wept. Morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was falling. His body on the cross. His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon him.
Thank you for overcoming every obstacle in our life, God. The things we see, the things that go unseen, God, you're always working in our lives. And we're just so thankful of that this morning, God. We just want to give you everything back in praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's going to come back on when they do greet somebody next to you this morning. that choice to chase the sunshine or let life steal my joy and I've got the chance to start with gratitude hide under storm clouds or let the light break through everybody. Welcome to the jar this morning. And that video, video you just saw was about our surf fest. And that's one of the things here at the church that we love to do is go out and serve our community. And if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, it's only one hour and that's going to be happening on November 11th. So that's next Saturday. We meet at the YMCA right here at 10 a.m. And we're going to be handing out coffee, donuts, newspapers at the bus station, and also cookies out at the mall. So if you'd like to participate, uh, you can either sign up online uh, on our app or at the resource table right over here. And if you would do me a favor and pull out the little card that's in your bulletin, that is called our Connect card. And that is just a way for us to uh, get to know you a little bit better. If you'd fill that out uh, on the back, there's also a place where you can write down your prayer requests. Those are confidential Um, But if you don't want to do all the paperwork, you can also do everything on our JAR app. So if you've never downloaded that, uh, it's really easy, really quick. That's typically how I always fill out, do my tithe. I do my filling out of the Connect card and everything on that app. Plus, you can stay up to date. You can sign up for things like the, um, the Serve Fest that's going to be coming up. So make sure you download that app as well. 
And if this is your first time, or maybe you've only been coming for a couple of weeks, we would love for you to stop by our guest connections table. That's over back in the corner. Ruthann's waving, and the light is on back there. We just love to uh, say hello to you and just give you a gift for stopping by today. Well, we're coming up on the holiday season, which means we, w- we love to go out and do things to help our community. Um, and so we would love for you to help us out as we help put together Thanksgiving baskets. We're going to be collecting donations to supply those baskets here at the jar. You can donate food. You can make sure bring those items next Sunday, November 12th. You can donate one item from the list or five of everything on the list. So whatever you feel led to give or whatever you can give, uh, you can find that list of items. We're collecting canned vegetables, jar or canned gravy, stuffing mix, box dessert, bag or box potatoes, and noodles. So we just want to be able to show some love and help those in our community this holiday season. Also, another great way that we are helping the uh, community this holiday season, you might have noticed the Christmas tree there in the corner as you came into the gym today. Uh, What is on that tree are these little ornaments. And we would love for you to take one of those ornaments, and on the label we'll have um, an age of a child and what he or her may need for Christmas this holiday season. So if you'd like to stop by and grab one of those ornaments, uh, do so. And um, make sure that you, I believe there's a sheet they have to sign. Is that true? Okay. Make sure you sign that sheet, and you can bring your gift in unwrapped along with the tag, the holiday tag there, by December 10th. But you can keep the ornament portion as a way to remember to pray for that child around this holiday season. All right. We'd like to bring our greeters forward as we receive an offering this morning. We ask that uh, no pressure to give. We just want you to give of your hearts and uh, just give whatever you believe the Lord is asking of you today, especially if you're new. We're not here to hitch up for money, but we just want to love and give back to our community. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we thank you so much for this day that we have the freedom to come and worship you. We thank you that we have the blessing to be able to give back and love our community Uh, with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. We just pray that you put upon people's hearts what it is that you would have us give. Be with Chris as he brings the teaching today. Help us to have ears that listen and hearts that want to go out and serve you throughout the rest of the week. In your name we pray. Amen. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're uh, here today. And if you'd like to share that commercial, uh, you can by uh, just going to the jar Facebook page and uh, click on that. And then uh, up in the corner, it talks about sharing it. So you could go ahead and share that. You could do that at any time uh, during uh, church that you want to. And uh, you can just do that on your smartphone. 
Another way that uh, we're trying to connect with our community is by uh, placing one of these uh, in your yard. And it takes about six seconds to do this. So it's not very difficult. I tried it out. And if I can do it mechanically, anybody can. Uh, So you just stick that in there and um, they'll be at the front uh, when you leave today. If you broke your brace uh, for any reason at the bottom of the sign, uh, we can get those for you too. But this will be good. Just make sure that you put them in your own yard. Uh, Somebody in the first celebration said, can I put it in my neighbor's yard? No, don't. Okay. Put put the bridges sign in that one. But uh, no, just put ours there. Okay. Well, hey, we're in the middle of a series called Stuff Happens, and kind of our key scripture verse uh, that we're looking for uh, is Romans 8:28. And we're not just looking for it, but we're actually trying to memorize it, and it's a very short verse, and it's a challenge I gave to you to be able to memorize by uh, Thanksgiving. So uh, I just want you to go ahead and uh, recite it right now. So go ahead. That was way too quick. That uh, just... Okay, I was afraid of that, that you did not know that verse yet. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to show it now. And we'll try to work at it by giving it some blanks, okay? So now let's read it out loud together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And uh, some of you sounded like this. Wah, 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 wah. It was like the uh, Peanuts character. So try to, uh, you know, the the teacher on the peanut. So try to do that uh, by Thanksgiving. It's, it's a powerful verse and uh, it will help you uh, grow. Now, one of the things that we've learned in this series is that all stuff happens to all people. Good people, bad people, in between people, all stuff happens. And just because you're really, really close to God, it doesn't mean that you're going to have all kinds of good circumstances that come to your life because God is more concerned of not giving good to you. He's trying to do good in you. In other words, he wants the character of Christ to be in your life as he does good, building a good Christ-like character. And that kind of leads us to our word for today, or our topic today. How do we do that? Well, the way that happens is through growth. And everybody loves growth. Uh, Spiritual growth, uh, growing in a Christ-like character, is maybe uh, the most important growth that you could ever have in your own life. But everybody that I know, when they do a self-inventory of themselves, they realize that at some point in their life, they have been disappointed by their spiritual growth. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, I can't believe that I'm still praying so sporadically and I'm not praying regularly uh, in my life. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, my prayer time is very difficult because my head is always all over the place. My mind's going everywhere and I'm not able to pray. Or maybe you don't pray with the same level of faith. Maybe you have thought that, man, by this time in my life, I should be able to get beyond this particular temptation. But the reality is you fall into that temptation. You fail into that temptation all the time. 
Maybe you thought that by this time in your life that your finances would be put together and you wouldn't be so far in debt, but you would have a budget and there would be generosity that was actually coming out of your life to give to others. Maybe you thought that you would be a better family person by now, a better spouse, a better parent, a better friend. Maybe you thought that at this point in your life that you would be able to share your faith in a greater way. That you would have more impact on your family and friends and co-workers than what you actually do. Maybe you thought you would have a better grip on being able to control your mouth. But the problem is you keep saying stupid stuff all the time. And dumb things come out of your mouth. And you get angry over the smallest little things. And at times when you should say something, uh, you're a coward and you kind of cower back. And at times when you shouldn't say something, you're very quick to say it. Maybe you thought that by this time you would know this book a lot better than you do. The Gallup poll tells us that the average American has seven Bibles in their house. But the reality is you're sitting there today and you're like, I don't really know that book so well. I don't know God that well. Now, sometimes uh, in these moments, I invite you to raise your hand, kind of a lighthearted thing uh, to be able to have a mass confession. But folks, when it comes to your spiritual growth of where you feel you're at, it's a heavier Kind of thing. And so I wanted to do something a little different this morning, and I want to ask you this question that if you have ever been disappointed in your spiritual growth, in your life, if that's true of you, if you've ever been disappointed by your spiritual growth, I'm just going to invite you to stand, and I'm standing first. So, anyone, if you've ever been disappointed, in your spiritual growth, please stand. Now, what I'd like you to do is to look around you and notice that you're not alone. This is the condition of who we are, and I'm the first one that stood. Okay, you can have a seat. When it comes to spiritual growth, folks, it's, it's just a mystery. Jesus put it this way in a story, in a parable that he gave. He said this, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest comes. Folks, growth is an amazing thing. It's miraculous. This guy in our story, he becomes a part of the story. He's the central character. But this is the truth. He doesn't control any of the growth. He doesn't even understand how it actually works. I mean, growth goes on regardless of what you think. It's just amazing. And it's the same with our spiritual growth. It's true that growth and spiritual growth and the change in our character of a human being, that those things are a process, 
that's going on, but it's the most important thing you'll ever do with your life is to make a commitment towards spiritual growth. And in the next few moments, I hope that you will make a step on how to grow more. But the question is, why is growth so hard? Why is it so hard for us to change? You know, when I uh, leave from this place, when I leave from the church and I go home and I take off my pastor hat, I I start thinking and questioning a lot of different things. And one of the things I think about are people. People both inside the church and outside the church. I start thinking about myself and I get frustrated, like really, really frustrated. Why is it that it's so hard for people to grow spiritually? Why is it so hard for me to grow spiritually? And I just kind of thought if I shared with you some of the questions, some of the struggles that I have on why this doesn't seem to happen like it should, that maybe all of us would open ourselves up to this stuff called spirituality because we all struggle with some of these same things. For instance, why is it the thing that I don't want to do I do. And why is it the thing that I want to do, I don't do? I don't know. How come there are some people who believe in God and they go to church, they go to church regularly all the time, and yet they're some of the most nastiest, joyless, loveless people that you can imagine? People don't like to be around them. Their parents uh, or their kids can't stand them. They're judgmental and nobody wants to hang out with them. Then there are people outside the church who don't have a belief in God whatsoever. And they're quite joyful. And they're kind. And they're very generous. Why is that? I don't know. Why is it that there are some believers that are the biggest jerks I know, and then there are some non-believers who are some of the kindest people I know? I don't know. Why is it there can be a baby that is born, and as that baby grows up, it seems like they're constantly faced with depression and anxiety, and they're overwhelmed, and they have troubles Uh, being able to develop healthy friendships and they struggle being socially awkward and they're like that their entire life and then there are some babies that are born and it's like they come out of the womb and they have this fabulous personality and they're cheerful and they're emotionally intelligent and they have this strong sense of resilience and it all started at birth and it just seems like they were pre-wired that way. Why is that? I don't know. Why is it that there are some parents who work really hard at parenting? And they read the books, 
And they go to the seminars and they pray for their kids daily and they bring their kids to church and those kids go out and they break their parents' hearts. And then there are other parents whose lives are a train wreck. Their marriage is a train wreck. Their finances are a train wreck. Everything about them is a train wreck. And yet, their kids grow up to be fabulous people. Why is that? I don't know. Why is it that some people can read the Bible and they grow spiritually and they're like a magnet? People want to be around them. And they're around them they're like, man, I want to be like that. And then there's other people that read that exact same Bible and they are the most arrogant, judgmental people you can imagine and nobody wants to be around them. They're reading the same book. Why is that? I don't know. Now some of you at this point are thinking to yourself, why is the church paying you money to talk about things that you don't know? I don't know, but I take that check every two weeks, you know, I mean, it's just the way that it is. Folks, it's a strange thing, but the reality is in your quietest moments, when you're honest, you start thinking some of this stuff. Why is it so hard to grow spiritually? Why is it I keep doing the same dumb thing over and over and over again? Why is it hard to pray? Why is it hard to read the Bible? Why is it hard to do that? And you know the question you ask also sometimes? Is it worth it? Because it seems like when I'm doing this stuff that sometimes things don't change at all. And why is it worth it? Well, to that question, is it worth it, I want to give you an answer this morning, and the answer is yes, it's worth it. And the reason is, is because I have seen growth happen. I know a guy who was enslaved by alcohol and drug abuse of meds. He destroyed his entire family. The whole family crumbled. They filed bankruptcy. They lost everything. Their 401ks, all of that. The kids were separated. They were divorced for four years. It was bad. It was ugly. It was horrible. But then this guy found the fullness of Jesus in his life, and he decided he would go to any recovery program that he could. And they always tell you, you know, 90 and 90 days. This guy would go to two to three each day. He just went because he wanted recovery for his family. And he kept doing this over and over and over again. And finally, the day came where he and his ex-wife who had been divorced for four years, they got back together and they started dating and the kids got healthy and everything was restored. Folks, growth happens. I know of a woman who betrayed her husband In multiple ways. And created so much pain for him and for their kids. But God got a hold of her and she began to grow spiritually. And she began to learn about truthfulness and fidelity 
and love. And that marriage, that family that was dead actually came to life. Growth happens. I know a guy who had a huge anger problem. Once a week, he would get in a bar fight with somebody. Once a month, he told me that he was usually in jail for doing that. And this went on for years and years and years. Until finally, he met Jesus one day and his whole life turned around. And today, this guy's one of the calmest people that I know. Peace actually flows in his life and in his marriage. His kids can't believe the changes that he's made. Growth happens, folks. Growth happens. Never give up. When you're thinking about it, don't do it because growth happens. So for the rest of our time, I simply want to take you through three I believe statements regarding spiritual growth that I am banking on, that I am counting on, and maybe you will too, and maybe as a church we'll live these out. Here's the first one. This is your first fill-in-the-blank. You can do it on the app or in the program. I believe growth toward Christ-like character is worth 100% commitment. I believe growth towards Christ-like character is worth 100% commitment. Folks, all of us want to flourish. All of us want to thrive. Rarely do human beings wake up in the morning and go, boy, I'd really like to get worse today. I just want to be the worst human being I can possibly be, okay? Most of the time, people don't wake up doing that. And there is no opportunity. There is no offer that a human being can get that is greater than the one that Jesus gave humanity when he said this, Follow me. And for centuries, people have been adhering to this, and this is what they discovered. That if I choose to give up everything that the world says it has to offer, whatever that is, and I choose Christ and I gain him, I have everything that I'll ever need. But if I choose to take all of the stuff that the world has to offer and I keep that for myself and I grow in it. But I lose God. I lose everything that I would need. And in Jesus' day, people would give up everything to go and to follow him with joy. And he would try to communicate this to people that, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity And he paints visions in these parables of what he had to offer. One of those is found in Matthew chapter 13. This is what Jesus says. The kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure in a field. When the man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of God is like a merchant looking For fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You know that line, selling everything that they had? I don't always like that line. 
I like my stuff. I like to keep my stuff. I want my stuff. But this is what we find. Is that the people in Jesus' day, they willingly kind of sold everything that they had, and some people still do today. And when people would do this, they didn't feel like this. Oh, that stinks. That was horrible. That was the dumbest thing I've ever done. I am such a martyr. Look what I have done. I've given all my possessions. Oh, what? No, they were like, this is the best thing that I could ever do with my life because I've found what is most important and whatever it takes to get that relationship with Jesus, I'm willing to do it. And Jesus would tell these stories that were just outlandish about a guy has a field, he buries it, he goes out and he buys the field and this pearl, he goes and finds that he gives up everything to find this one valuable pearl. And there's like this focus on tenacity, that amazing tenacity if you're going to follow Christ, doing whatever it takes to get to him. A couple of years ago, there was a video that came out on YouTube Uh, And it was titled Pizza Rat. And maybe you saw it. It had over 10 million kind of clicks to it that I saw this week. And there's this little rat in a New York City uh, subway on the stairs. And he gets this piece of pizza. He's going after it. Now, everyone hates rats, but everyone loves pizza. I think we're going to show it here. There we go. And so this little rat has this whole slice of pizza. And so this little rat, he loves this pizza so much that he's willing to to do anything to get it. To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like a little rat that finds a perfect piece of pizza. And this little rat, you can see him. He's like, I don't care what else happens. I don't care if someone steps on me. I'll give my very life. But I've got to have this pizza. Nobody's going to take this pizza away from me. And you can see that he does everything to get it. Now we can take that off before you... Well, go ahead one more time, I guess. (laughs) Because some of you, just by the rat, you're freaking out. See, look at that, though. He's like down there. He's waiting. To do whatever he can. Because he wants that pizza. Folks, to know Jesus. To follow Jesus. To serve Jesus. To have Jesus change your very life. It's worth any risk that you can to have that relationship with him. And so I'm asking for you this morning. Are you following Jesus with all of your devotion? If you had to look in the mirror, are you following him with all that you have? With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength? Or, or, is there some area in your life, some secret in your life, something from your past, some relationship, That is preventing you from giving your whole life to Him. Do you really want all of Jesus 
Will you be tenacious to go after him no matter what? Just like that little rat didn't care what happened to him. He was going after that pizza. Are you willing to risk everything? Jesus is worth it. He's really worth it. It's worth everything. Little rats. Proverbs 11 verse 28 says this. A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. The image, the contrast of a tree and a stumper there. A tree by itself can't make itself grow. Growth just happens. But a tree can lay down some roots. And that's what you have to commit to. What your responsibility is, is to lay down some roots. To put some roots down. And for some of you, the very first root that you could put down is making a commitment to Christ through baptism. That you actually would say, I'm ready, as far as I know, to give my one and only life to Christ. Now, baptism doesn't mean that you've arrived. It doesn't mean that you have it all together. It just means that as much as I can, I'm going after this Christ-like character by giving my life to the one who has all things. And so in your program, there's a card that looks like this. I'd like you to pull it out. So if you can pull that out of your program real quick. And if you didn't get one, just raise your hand. One of our greeters uh, will get that for you. But just pull that out. If you didn't get one, don't be ashamed. Just raise your hand. They'll get one for you. And if you've never been baptized, my question is, why not? Like, what's holding you back? And that first step can be so difficult, but the first step is most important that you make a commitment that you say, as far as I know, I'm going to follow Christ the best that I can. You can write your name down and the information that's there. And before you leave today, just leave it on your seat. You don't have to take it anywhere or do anything with it. Just lay it right on the seat. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our first class, November 19th. And... Lunch is provided. You don't have to cook anything. It's already done. And child care is provided and will be done by around 1.30. But you could come and you could make that commitment of a first step. And you could put some roots down so that you might grow, your spiritual life might grow into a flourishing tree, not a dead stump. Folks, growing in Christ-like character is worth 100% commitment. Here's the second, I believe, statement about spiritual growth, and it's this. I believe spiritual growth requires commitment. I believe that spiritual growth requires commitment. Spiritual growth is not a solo deal. You don't just go off and do it all by yourself. You do it within a group of people. That's why Jesus said this, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So Jesus says that if you want me to be present in your life, 
One of the best ways you can do that is by being around some other people that you get into a relationship with and you encourage one another and you build each other up and you're there in times of good and times of bad. You're the kind of person who tells the truth to each other and you call each other out. You see the blind spots in the other person. And without doing this, folks, if you don't do this, you will not grow. I don't know about you, but I kind of have this old pattern that I just have never gotten rid of in my life. If people come up to me and they start to compliment me and they tell me how good I am, I really like to hear that. In fact, I like them to keep it coming. I don't want them to stop. I'd like them to keep telling me how good I am. Why don't you share that a little bit more? And I love that. But what I don't like so much is when someone comes up to me and they tell me something that's wrong in my character or something that I didn't do well. When they start telling me those things, I'd rather them just keep that to themselves. Or at least like soften it a little bit, but I'm not sure I actually want to hear everything that they have to say when it comes to that. There's a story about a guy who uh, traveled to Europe on a business trip, and while he was gone, he decided he'd call back home to his wife to see how things were doing. And so he goes, hey, honey, how, how are things going? And she said, the cat died. And he's like, well, you didn't have to say it so bluntly like that. Why did you have to just come right out and say that? I mean, you could have, you know, done it slower, done something different. You've ruined my whole trip now. And his wife said, well, how would you want me to say it? And he said, well, actually, you could have been more gentle with all of that. And you could have waited until I got to Paris. And when I called, you could have said, hey, the cat fell off the roof. And the cat's not doing very well. And then when I got to London, what you could have said was, well, I had to take the cat to the vet. And then when I got back to New York, you could have said, hey, the, the cat's not doing very well. And then when I got back home, you could have told me that the cat died. That would have been a much better way for you had to, uh, to have explained to me what had gone on. And his wife said, okay, I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. And he goes, well, how's my mom doing? She said, she's on the roof. Not good. I mean, sir. So, so that's the weird thing about us as human beings. At least for me, maybe you don't do this. If someone's telling me something really good, I, I want to hear all that stuff. But if they're going to tell me something that's a blind spot in my life or a character flaw or something else, I'd rather them just kind of keep that to themselves or not deal with that. I'd rather not have you dump the whole thing on me. The writer of Proverbs says this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Your enemy is someone who doesn't love you enough to tell you the truth about your life. They don't want to risk difficulty or pain or relational discomfort 
to tell you the truth about something that would actually help you to actually have the character that looks more like Christ. Instead, what they do is they tell you whatever it is you want to hear. But faithful and true are the wounds of a friend. I have uh, somebody who's been a very close friend of mine, one of my best friends for about 20 years. And his name is Todd, and Todd and I, uh, for years, we would meet together once a week to uh, pray and hold each other accountable to talk about some of the blind spots that we saw in each other. Now, after a few years, he, he moved from Kokomo, Indiana, and he actually moved out to Pennsylvania, but every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, I call him on the phone, and he and I talk through our lives, and we tell the truth to each other, and there's accountability and prayer that takes place. Now, there have been moments in which I've gotten on that phone or face-to-face that Todd has said things to me that really hurt. I mean, things to me that I'm like, This guy isn't much of a friend. Why would he say that? But what I found was that when he said me, it was true. And because he loved me more like a brother than anything else, he spoke truthful words. And it's a very unique relationship and friendship that I have. And I really value it. Because wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Folks, every single one of us need relationships in our lives that are encouraging and loving and builds us up. We need those. But we also need to give those people the same permission to speak truth into our life, to talk about the blind spots, the things that we can't see, so that we actually grow instead of just keep doing the same thing over and over again. In the early church, they loved this concept of speaking the truth in love. Because they realized that if you spoke the truth in love to someone, it would help that individual actually grow more into their character to look more like Christ. Kind of the the growth engine that we have here in the jar are small groups. We encourage people to get into small groups of 6 to 15 people that only meet every other week because it's in those groups that you'll be encouraged. When you've had a tough week and no one really cares about you, there are people that care and lift you up and build you up. And there's people there too that tell you the truth about things in your life. I can remember something that I said that was really, really stupid one Sunday. You're like, yeah, we hear that every Sunday, you know? But I said something and I went to my small group on Monday and there was a guy that came up to me and goes, Hey, I just wanted to tell you, that thing right there, it was bad. You, you should have never said that, and you should work on not saying that. And I can honestly say that at first I wasn't that excited that he told me. I'm like, what do you mean, man? I'm, I'm, I'm the preacher, you know? But I like that guy. I love that guy. I respect him. And that particular thing I've not said since. Because I've got blind spots, folks, and and I need people to speak into it so that I actually grow instead of saying the same. So on the opposite side of your baptism card, there's a small group card. And for some of you, 
maybe you were in a group for a while and then you got out of a group or you've never tried a group or the group you tried, they were crazy people and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. We got rid of those groups, just so you know. <laughs> but seriously, for some of you, you'll never grow until you get into a group. And you might grow a little bit being here on Sunday, but you'll grow more if you're in a group. And so I invite you to fill this card out. Like, don't leave. Actually fill it out and say, yeah, I want to get into it. And you're just trying a group. It doesn't commit you to everything. You just try it. Just like Celebrate Recovery, we want people to try it just to go to see if a hurt, habit, or hang-up, you could actually see something that would change. And when you're done, you can just leave that on your chair. But, folks, people need each other. I mean, it's an interesting fact that God wired us in such a way that we actually need each other. And when we let other people into our problems and our pain and our hurt and even our sin, we grow. When we allow people to encourage us and pray for us, we grow. When we give people permission to speak truth into our life and to call out the blind spots, we grow. Because the truth is, folks, no one ever grows alone. You always grow around a group or a team of people. I mean, think of all of the accomplishments that have ever happened in history. It's always happened by a team of people, a group of folks. People aren't solo successful. They're successful because there are people around them. I mean, just think about some of the amazing teams. Lennon had McCarty to write all the great songs. Lewis had Clark to go on these great expeditions. Ben had Jerry. Like, just think if you just had Ben. I guarantee the ice cream would only be half as good, you know? But we got Jerry in there, and it's better. And think of some of the other teams. Sonny and Cher, Bonnie and Clyde, Jay-Z and Beyonce. Ken and Barbie, Batman and Robin, Brady and the Devil. All right, if you're a if you're a Patriots fan, sorry. It is true. Now, let's go on. But folks, here's the point. Here's the point. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Nobody ever grows alone. Spiritual growth requires community. And let me just say this to all of you parents. If you're a parent of a middle school or high school student, it's imperative that you get them into impact. Impact meets each Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And why is it so important? Because I get it. Kids are involved in stuff. There's stresses. There's all kinds of stuff. And life gets crazy. And they're in this and this and this and this. And what happens, and I see it so often, kids get so overwhelmed by all of the things and all the activities that they're in that it starts weighing them down. And in those moments, they need a spiritual community of people who will actually encourage them and build them up and lift them up and care for them. And parents, just to let you know, we feed them. You don't have to feed them. Like that's worth it enough on Sunday to get fed. But they grow. So I'm asking you this morning, put a stake in the ground today. 
Say I'm going to make a commitment to spiritual growth, to getting plugged into a small group. I'm at least going to try it. I'm going to fill out that card. I'm at least going to give it a try. I'm going to see what would happen and to see if I might actually grow spiritually and worship God and have people who build me up and lift me up. We want to be this kind of community that help you grow not just on Sunday morning, but each week you're meeting with a group of people to increase your growth. Well, here's the third kind of I believe statement regarding spiritual growth, and it's this. I believe every moment is an opportunity for spiritual growth. I believe every moment is an opportunity for spiritual growth. Yesterday, I ran in a uh, 5K race, and there were two high school kids that were way, way, way up ahead of everybody else. And then there was another guy in yellow that was right in front of me. I learned later on he was from Indianapolis. And I'm running right behind this guy, and there's a piece in my, a piece in my mind that's going, you can take him, you can take him, you can do it. And one of the blind spots in my life is that I'm competitive of everything I do. Like when my kids play cupcake games, this little cupcake that you make, I beat them, and I don't care. And so I have this thing that's not good in my life. It's not good at all. And so I'm running and I get this prompting in my spirit because I'm thinking I'm going to take this guy. And he's like, Chris, you've won many things before. Do you want to hurt yourself again? Or are you willing to sit back and let it go? And I did. I held back because I struggle with competition. And God's teaching me something even in that moment. Dallas Willard Uh, an amazing Christian theologian in his book, The Divine Kingdom, he talks about that every moment of your life that you go through can be a moment of spiritual growth. It's kind of a longish quote, but it's powerful. and It'll come up on the side screens. I'd like us to read it. We must accept the circumstances, Dallas writes. We must accept the circumstances we constantly find ourselves in as the place of God's kingdom and blessing. God is yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. This is so profound. Wherever you are right now, God wants to bless. Where they actually are. And if we faithlessly discard situation after situation, moment after moment, as not being right, we will simply have no place to receive His kingdom into our life. For those situations and moments are... Our life. Our life presents itself to us as a series of tasks. That's every single day stuff. In biblical language, they are trials or tribulations. Just listen to how people carry on. For some of us, the first tribulation of the day is just getting up. Then there's caring for ourselves, then the commute, then work, and other people. But knowledge of the kingdom. To what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? Puts us in a position to welcome all of these. Folks, every circumstance of every moment of your life is an opportunity for you to allow spiritual growth to happen in that moment. To give you precisely what you need to grow. So if you wrestle with money, if you struggle to to keep 
a budget together or you struggle with anxiety about having enough, you will find financial challenges. And it will help you to grow in this area. Does anybody struggle to grow in patience? Well, you will find yourself in frustrating circumstances where you can meet God and grow in patience. Is anybody not as loving as they would like to be? Then God will send you some unlovable people in your life to be around you to love. And if that's not happening, we can assign some unlovable people to you. We have several that we know to give you an opportunity to grow in love. Folks, when the Bible talks about trials and tribulations, it's not the gigantic ones. It's not that horrible diagnosis or that disease or that once-in-a-lifetime battle. It's every moment, every day in the all things. Some problems or challenges hit your life and you have to ask, what do I do? What do I do? James, Jesus' brother, puts it this way. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when you have endurance and it's fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And so, folks, when you see the bills stacking up and they're all there, it's an opportunity to say, I consider this an opportunity for joy. When you're stuck in traffic and the people around you are acting like idiots, you can say, I consider you an opportunity for joy. When an unlovely person comes into your life, maybe it's the person sitting beside you right now, you can just tell him, you are an opportunity for joy, okay? What matters is not that we all grow up at once, but Paul puts it this way. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, maybe not today, not tomorrow, but at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do what? Not give up. Folks, what matters most is not perfection, But what matters most is that you just say, I'm not going to give up. I will not give up. And my question for you today is this. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to devotion to him and dying to sin, are you all in? Are you all in? During high school, I ran cross country and track and the guy that was a year ahead of me was one of the best distance runners in the state, actually in the country. His name was Rick Patterson, and in his senior year, he won the mile, and he got second in cross country in the state. He went on to Georgia Tech to run there. He had an elite collegiate career. He went on to be a part of the Olympic program, never got in the Olympics, was, but, but was a part of it. Then he ran professionally, Uh, And he was this amazing runner. And during his senior year, he and I worked out together, and I became one of the best runners that uh, that was in our county. 
And after he graduated, I went up to him a couple weeks after, and I said, I want to do what you had to do. I want to be the kind of runner that you are. And so he asked me this question, are you all in? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, Chris, no one goes down to state to run the mile and just win it no matter what. I need you to understand what it will take. I run five miles every morning before I go to school. Then I go to school and we have our practice and then I run at night. I run every single Saturday. I run during the winter. If it's snowing, cold, whatever, I run and I eat right, but outside of running, I don't have much of a life. And then I'll never forget Rick asking me this. Are you willing to do this? Are you in? And I said, yeah, I'm in. And he gave me his workout schedule that he did his senior year. And he said, here you go. Well, a few days after that, he went off to Georgia Tech. A few days after that, I got that plan and I did it for a few days. And then a few days after that, I started eating McDonald's sitting on the couch. And I had a great summer. But you know what? I never won the state in the mile. In fact, I never even made it to state. You see, this was what the truth was. I was an admirer of Rick. I just wasn't a follower. I admired what he was doing. I just didn't want to do what you had to do. I wanted to run like he did, but I wasn't going to do what he did. And folks, Jesus is looking for followers. And it's okay to admire Jesus. Most of the time, that's how we first get connected to him. It's okay to admire him. A lot of people admired him. But the truth is, Jesus didn't die for admirers. He wanted to die for people who would follow him. People who will die to all of their stuff, their possessions, their house, all their stuff, their schedule, their time. And to be able to say, I'll die to that because I want more of who Christ is. To pursue a Christ-like character is worth 100% commitment. It's worth it. Is it worth it for you? Let's stand for closing prayer. Right now I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up. They'll be on uh, the side of the screens. They'd love to pray with you. And maybe you're here today and um, you know God, you love God. But if you had to do a spiritual inventory of yourself right now, The truth is, you've become stagnant. And you need to 
say, hey, do I want to keep being stagnant or do I actually want to grow? And if you want to grow, you could come up here and you could tell the person, I'm tired of drifting. I'm tired of drifting away. I want to drift towards God. And you could come up and say, would you please pray for spiritual renewal and growth in my life? And they would love to do that. And maybe you're here today and it's the first time you've been here or you've been here for a little while and your spiritual growth, you're like, I don't even know who Jesus is. What you've told me, I, I sense like I want to have that kind of person who encourages and loves me and lifts me up, but I've never made that commitment. And so today, God would say to you, just come and in the back, Chuck Mock is back there and he would love to pray right back here uh, in the very back corner. He'd love to pray with you and encourage you on to come up front to do that. But if you go back there, he'll give you a Bible and he'll pray with you and give you some steps on how you can change your life. And then you don't have to be just a subway rat, but you can have the pizza the Prince of Peace that says, here, come take and eat. And to go after Jesus with all that you are. So a couple things. If you've been drifting, come up here for prayer. If today's your day, you want to make a commitment, just go back there and he'd love to pray with you. So let's go ahead and pray. And I want to just give you a moment right now to kind of respond to God however it is you want to respond to him. And if there's any area of your life, maybe it's money, maybe it's anger, bitterness towards someone, some relationship issue, some pride issue, some sexual immorality that's going on in your life, anything that is keeping you from Christ, that maybe you would just confess that right now, quietly to yourself. You'd say, Jesus, I'm sorry for whatever that is, to repent. to lay it down right now. And then would you just tell Jesus, Jesus, I no longer want to just be an admirer. I want to be a follower. Jesus, you know how much we need to recognize you in every moment so that we would grow spiritually. Would you give it to us? Would you give it to our church? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, if baptism's your card, just leave it on your desk or on the chair or uh, also um, small groups as well. Thanks. Have a great week. Know you're loving this place.
sunshine or let life steal my joy. And I've got the chance to start with gratitude. Hide under storm clouds or let the light break through. the heavens and say 